David Tragen really challenges our conventional picture of a furniture designer and maker. He takes a utilitarian object, such as a table, and he transforms it into an aesthetically refined sculpture without foregoing its practicality. Quite remarkable. And given the quality of his designing and his impeccable craftsmanship, you would naturally assume that he had studied formally for years, but this is really not the case. His journey as a furniture designer is really as dynamic and unexpected as his limited edition creations. He's grown his skills out of an attitude of self-belief, inner questioning, and he also actively practices stretching his own comfort zone to develop new abilities. He creates artistically refined, bespoke furniture, sculptures, and lighting. And now he also offers short woodworking courses from his rural workshop in the UK. What I really like about David is his yes, I can do it attitude. I'm Keith Struthers, and this is Natural School. So welcome, David. Thanks for joining us this morning. Thank you very much for asking me. Yeah, that's a pleasure. I find it so fascinating that what you're doing now is so different to how you started your career. I've often doubted uh, whether this is my natural trajectory. I had the belief that things sort of happen as they're supposed to happen in life and that the change happens naturally. In my case, I've kind of decided to direct that change and sometimes step off my railroad track, which was maybe taking me where I thought I was supposed to be going. And there's times when I've said, is, that, is, is this really the right direction for me? Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Uh, are we given, I don't not necessarily mean destiny's terms, but you know, in terms of what we've learned, what our natural abilities are. My trajectory has kind of been changed radically, I think, when I, when I left, left Britain in sort of early, early in the university years. So what you're saying is even though now you're fairly accomplished as a furniture maker, you still have doubts about the direction that you're in. I think that's my nature. I'm naturally a self-doubting person, uh, which is a double-edged sword. It helps me to, well, firstly, not get complacent, uh, to constantly challenge what I'm doing, challenge my work. So that's a good thing. But, you know, there's a negative side that you always think, well, is, it, is this the right decision? Am I doing the right thing? Um, is this is this self-indulgence? Is this uh, something that I can sell to the public? And I think until I feel I've really found my niche and the market has also found me, then those doubts are still going to be there. I mean, my confidence has in increased over the last few years in my ability and what I'm doing. I think it, it comes and goes depending on what my last project is. If I do something that's really inspiring, I feel full of myself. And then, you know, there's times when you have to just do more, more mundane work. So do you see that your own development as an individual runs concurrent with the success of your business? Being able to put food on the table is vitally important. So getting the right balance of being able to make money from what I do and moving forward as a, as a creative, uh, they're, they're, they're very much linked. I'd just like to go back to the development of your own work towards being a furniture designer. You, you went to Barcelona as a teacher of English as a foreign language, as a TEFL teacher, mm -hmm. and then you had a rainy experience That's where right. you hopped into a, a shop to get out of the rain. Could you just say something about that? It sounds really exciting. 
Well, I guess about six, seven months into being in Barcelona and I'd never really done anything creative at that point. And we were wandering through one of the streets in Barcelona and we were hit by a, um, a torrential um, storm. Sue had been in Barcelona for a few years. She knew the stop, shops very well. And she said, right, quick, let's let's get some cover in here. And we, we went into the shop called uh, Zeta Futon. And it was full of uh, fabulous artifacts that had been designed by mostly local people. There were lamps, uh, there was furniture, uh, jewellery, and it was handcrafted. And it was like going into a treasure trove, all these fabulous colours and shapes. And I was open to new directions and, and searching for it. Was there a particular poignant moment where you looked at some item and you felt, yes, this is, this is the direction for me? There was a designer that made fabulous uh, metal chairs. His work stuck in my mind and I chatted to him a couple of times and he'd actually been through an architectural uh, route before he'd gone into design. And I kind of thought, well, man, this is great. It seems like a lifestyle I'd like rather idealistically. I think one day I was out wandering around Barcelona and popped into the shops and I think I was in Habitat at the time and I'd seen a, a, a very simple lamp with a paper covering and I just thought, I could do that. In fact, I'm sure I could do better than that. And I think because I was, I was sharing a house um, with, a, with a set designer, I felt that, well, why don't I ask him how, how I could do this? And basically, I asked him if he would um, weld up a structure for me, a very simple sort of cylindrical uh, structure. And then I went off and found the appropriate materials to clad it. And that was probably one of the, the first uh, things that I did that was a little bit more creative, a bit more artistic. There was this natural incremental introduction into furniture and hand making things. But when it came to using, uh, you know, a, a plane of thickness and potentially dangerous machines, I'd never touched them in my life. So I kind of thought, well, I need more training in that respect. But also I needed more training with curved work, with veneering. I just knew that what I was producing at that point wasn't good enough quality wise. And I didn't know how to interpret some of my ideas from, from you know, more complex curves and turning them into a, uh, an artifact that I felt was saleable. At, at that point, I thought, well, perhaps what I should do is come back to the UK for a month every summer for the next few years and do a, do a, a month's course. During that research phase, I stumbled across uh, David Savage's courses that he, that he provides. Being able to do something that I was passionate about and make a living from it uh, was so important to me that... After a conversation with David and some serious thinking, I thought, well, maybe this is the, this is the key to my happiness because I'd found that if I couldn't make a living from what I wanted to be doing, then I, I found that I was, you know, I just wasn't that happy. And when I had a project on that I was really inspired by, it just made me, I was, I was buzzing. I, you know, I lifted my energy enormously. And, you know, we all have to go through mundane things in life as part of our, our, our daily work practice. But I felt that I had to make some serious changes to really make this dream happen. And how was it for you at David Savage's place? Because his work is exceptionally eccentric, very dynamic, particularly unusual and enormously well crafted. It must mm -hmm. have been quite a, a, an experience arriving in this workshop with this kind of quality of work happening around you. 
I think the first impression uh, was in terms of the making that, that, that struck me. I hadn't realised how much precision was required, how each step had to be so correct. You know, you had to build a solid foundation uh, step by step in, in the creation process. And so that was one of the eye openers. Walking around the workshop and seeing some of his fabulous pieces that were uh, that either been made or in the process of being made was, was also very inspiring. And being in an environment where there are other people learning. I mean, I spent a lot of my, my let's say, my, my journey working on my own. So at this point, it was it was great to, to see other people and, and be part of their process as well, as well as seeing David's work. David, moving on to your own work, there's a quality that I see in your work which really excites me. And I've seen it in emerging all over the world in small pockets here and there. And that is the quality of movement and a Mm -hmm. sculptural quality. That Mm -hmm. somewhere the piece almost seems to capture a moment of movement. And it's interesting that you call your one piece the beating wings. Mm -hmm. And it's a verb. It's it's the beating. It's not the wing in motion. It's the beating wing. So that you get the sense of movement. I'd just like you to say maybe something about that. Are you working consciously with that as an intention? Oh, definitely. You know, furniture can often be a very static object. Um, you know, maybe one day I'll get into sort of kinetic sculpture. That's at the back of my mind of something to do because I'm fascinated by things that will change as you look at them. So to be able to try and create a sense of movement in something that's, that's you know, it is static. It, it's just sitting there. Something that appears to be slightly different as you move around it. That was a challenge. And I thought this, this, is, this is quite interesting. And, and a, and a new direction and I think with beating wings so it's the idea that I'm trying to create that movement through stop frame photography and uh, you see the movement of the wings uh, and at each moment you know it's, it's it's very calculated it could be much more fluid and I think I think my later work uh, well work I'm, I'm I'm starting to develop perhaps it, it will be a little less regimented in in the changes you know it's all very symmetrical all the changes are very graduated it, it's it's an avenue i've opened up and there's there's lots of potential with it so it's, it's early days in terms of where i'm going to go with uh, i call it the strata series uh building layers to create this sense of movement i find that fascinating because i work with a similar sensibility where you can capture a movement But as those early works of yours are, there's a bilateral symmetry, there's an ordering, there's a certain harmonious balance throughout the piece. Mm -hmm. And the moment that you start moving off that bilateral symmetry and start nuancing it in a slightly different way, the dynamic of the sculpture changes significantly. Symmetry has always been an important factor for me. And I recognize that and work doesn't necessarily have to be symmetrical to be balanced so lately i've been playing with that a little bit and i think my transition into work that's possibly slightly asymmetrical is also runs parallel in in terms of my development as a person as i, I allow myself to express myself a bit more and and not be so worried about you know how people may perceive me and just you know as, I, as you get old you become more comfortable in your own skin and I think, you know, things don't have to be perfect. They don't have to be absolutely balanced. Life isn't totally balanced. And in that respect, I feel more able to move into an area that feels a little bit 
uncertain, unsafe, you know, out of that balance and symmetry. So even though I, I, I love that sense of stability, that the, the symmetry and, and balance from a lot of my past work, I am starting to explore that a little bit, how to move into areas that aren't necessarily as as calming because i think some of my work or a lot of it i think is is is, it has a zen feeling to it and it's that calming nature that i want to kind of transmit in my work and sometimes that imbalance isn't necessarily calming but you know that edge can be can be exciting and i think that's where i'd like to explore in the coming years I find it fascinating that David sees his designs as a mirror of his own personal growth. And now that he's reached a sense of self-assuredness to a certain extent, he's wanting to explore more daring designs. Not in a way that's foolhardy where he can't deliver the goods, or in a way that's very conservative, but in a certain balanced way he's prepared to take that risk, to stretch himself, which he's been doing throughout his own biography. sidewinder table it also mm -hmm. works with this inflection this curve that goes in two different directions mm -hmm. and it seems like it's a fairly it's a theme that pops up and I know in my own work that theme pops up as well that in the flat it's an S but in its sculptural form it's actually a helix that's right and somewhere in that table you've got that quality maybe you could say something about the idea when you came to that design what inspired it? Where you where you got it from? I think yeah, balance was 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 possibly the, the first point for that design. How can I keep this table balanced? What 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 shapes will allow me to have balance? And from then that point, I don't know. There was a light bulb moment. I don't I don't remember exactly how it happened, but suddenly I remember one evening. It's like that's it. That's perfect. That's going to work. Um, you've got you've got your balance there. You've count you've got your counterweight, and you've got movement. David, your table called the Pegasus. I find it very interesting that you're working with a double curved surface in terms of the wood. And you're doing two things to it. One is that you, you, you're curving it in two directions, but also you're cutting the shape of that double curved surface in a very particular way that gives it another kind of dynamic. Could you maybe talk just about the biography of that design, how it emerged and how you did it practically? Because it's quite a technical feet that basically it's a it's, it's a laminated structure i mean there's various ways of making this but it starts with a laminated structure so i've, I've decided on my radius to create the the general shape of the wings top and bottom the wings meet the glass and meet the floor um, and in that plane in the elevation that's where i've cut into the shape so the challenge has been how do you cut a, a curve into a curve already? Exactly. And that involved using using templates um, and working out, you know, if I if I if I have this shape when it's when it's flat, when I curve the template onto my newly formed uh, panel, I think having the guidance of the design process a bit more through David, I'd and also realizing that it's not something that necessarily happens overnight. I had the discipline to sit down and, and, and play with the sketch 
and keep working at it. I mean, originally I thought about having maybe a, a corner post on the legs and then I'd realized there was a there was a there was all sorts of technical challenges with trying to join two curved sur surfaces together. So I simplified the design and in taking time to work on this design, I realized that, yeah, this is part of the process. David talked about uh, it's almost like a, a circle as you move from the idea phase and you develop it and you go round until you've, you've completed the whole concept and it, and it comes together. It does work. It does all, all hold together. Sometimes in this developmental phase, you get so far and then you realize ah, that's really not going to work. Um, you know, you've lost balance. Uh, technically, that can't be done without spending far too long on it or it just it physically can't be done. And you have to dismantle an idea. So understanding that, he's sort of given me this understanding of how a, an idea might develop and come to uh, completion and fruition. So it gave me more of a patience and more of a, an understanding that it's not all about inspiration. There's, there's the hard work of trying and trying again, sketching again. And some, some clients have very clear ideas. But if I'm working for myself, um, I like to give myself as much time as I can and space to just let something ferment and then I can revisit it a few months later perhaps or a few weeks later and something new might have emerged. When I have a look at your Charlotte's table and I look at the legs of the table, there's this singly curved surface that changes in thickness and changes in direction. Like if I have a normal table, I could have four legs. But your legs of the table are more surface than legs, so it's it's more it's less linear in that sense. I'm not striving to be to be different for different sake. It's because I, I find it aesthetically pleasing. But um, by having a, a surface that changes direction and changes thickness, you've you've introduced a a, a a dynamism, and again, that's 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 an interest. Your eye is drawn to it. David, earlier on you spoke about the Zen quality in your work and mm -hmm. then this kind of simplicity, this balance, this harmony. And then you started in your own life to relook at how you actually relate to that and talking about a comfortableness in yourself and the, the desire to possibly explore other dimensions. Does your own life have that Zen quality? I like to seek harmony um, in, in what I do, but at the same time, uh, it's important to be who I am as a person and not necessarily hide so that I'm not being being real. And that that's that's something that I need to to work on and to improve in my work is that sense of, you know, that there are edges to who I am as a person. And it's okay for those to come out in my work. Although, I mean, I, I don't look at my work as, as in, like, in a pure sense of a, an artist who is, you know, in every moment there's something happening for them and they have to express that. You know, I'm generally a relatively sort of stable person and I don't believe I'm expressing massive emotions in, in my work. But, you know, if I'm expressing anything, it's that I want, I want people when they look at my work to feel a sense of, sense of calmness. So maybe that's the zenness. I use the word Zen because uh, a book, um, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, I read in my very early days in Italy, did have a, a massive uh, influence on, on, my, on my life. Um, there was a section in very early on where um, Persig talked about opening your mind to new things and having the calmness of mind to be able to explore 
new directions that you might not necessarily have have envisaged yourself taking which is basically you know your, your motorcycle's broken down how are you going to fix it well i've never fixed a motorcycle before you know this is out of my out of my realm and the idea that well no nothing's out of your realm it's it's the blocks that you put in your own mind and do you feel that that's a, a cusp that you're busy with in your own life I feel like I'm doing really well with that now. I mean, I look back to Barcelona and I know that I'd say things to myself, well, there's no way you can do this. You've never done art before. You've never done design. You've never really done anything other than six months of woodwork at school. You know, you've got no right to be able to do this. And that sort of negativity. And I've started teaching now. And a massive part of what I want to be able to pass on to students is how important our understanding of ourselves is and what we actually say to ourselves how it restricts our own growth so you know i've recently set up a new workshop which involved me having to learn how to to do concrete how to do all sorts of new things um some tiling some damp proofing and uh, insulating the walls and i felt that no this isn't this isn't a challenge i can't overcome now whereas before you know maybe 10 years ago i have dreaded the thought of how, how to find out how to do these things am i going to be able to do it properly so on and so forth i mean yes the internet helps enormously now where there's so much information out there but it's also a sense of yes i can do it and uh, i think that comes from the zen attitude of clearing your mind clearing the negativity away and allowing things to possibly develop and do you actively teach your students to take on stuff that they would otherwise not have thought they could have? Well, ho hopefully in, in the literature on my website, that comes across that I believe that people, providing they have a, a sense of, you know, some sort of focus and a willingness to, to go out of their comfort zone, that most people can achieve new things. So, you know, I, I almost want to put my arm around people and say, yeah, come on, you can do this. I mean, I took my girlfriend into the workshop to trial one of my courses. And she'd never done woodwork before. And she had that belief, no, I can't do this. And so it's a challenge for me to say, come on, yes, you can. Let's do it one step at a time. Because that's what life is. It's one step at a time. And as long as we don't stop ourselves from, from developing, then there's no reason why we can't move forward and do new things. So in a sense, your, your personal life has been a journey of can I do this and then overcoming it. And now yep. you're assisting other people to go, in a sense, through that same process. Definitely. I mean, I'm not going to say that my journey has been an easy one and you can turn everything around overnight, but that if you can take a bit of that quality, you know, if someone could come into my workshop and in the space of a day can come from thinking, well, I, there's no way I could make a beautiful shelf uh, and at the end of the day come out with a, a lovely finished object and then believe, well, if I can do this, why can't I do other things? Then for me, that's a, a, a massive buzz. And would you say, I mean, you've hinted at it earlier on that in as much as your confidence and your self-assurance has grown, your potential to be explore more adventurous designs has also grown. Yeah, it's, it's about taking yourself out of your comfort zone on both fronts. So taking myself out of a comfort zone as a person, but also as a, as a, as a, as a designer and a, and a maker. I think as a maker, particularly for Beating Wings was a, was a, was a, a moment when I suddenly thought, again, you know, I I'd had, I'd had various moments when I thought, yes, I can. Uh, certainly very early on making some of the lamps, just getting a very simple structure welded up for me. But Beating Wings was, was a challenge. Technically, it's quite a difficult piece to make and ensure that it doesn't hobble once it's all glued together. But I thought, right, I've got, I've got to push the boat out a little bit. I've got to do something a little bit different. I, I, need, I need to move forward. And if I don't challenge myself, 
how's that going to happen? So doing that really helped my self-belief and, and, and the idea that, yeah, well, if I can do this, why can't I do other things? David, you spoke about possibly working towards kinetic sculptures or kinetic works. Mm-hmm. Would you like to say something about that? Because it, obviously it, it's sourced from your interest in movement and dynamism. There's obviously movement can be seen in Beating Wings and Sidewinder and some of the ideas that I've developed you know, on that sort of theme. I think it's quite exciting to then take the idea of movement further into actual physical movement so that, you know, as, as you walk around Sidewinder, you see different things from different angles. If you're in a stationary position looking at a kinetic sculpture or obviously moving around it as well, you're going to have even more variety of just different aesthetics and, and, and different um, dynamics. So it's an area that I haven't explored yet. I think it's going to involve engineering, and that's a whole new uh, avenue to open up. It's yeah, there's there's lots of areas that I want to move into and ex- explore. I want to I want to bring more sculptural a more sculptural quality to my work. I do want to sort of move away from the constraints of functionality to some degree. Uh, I mean, I'll always be interested in furniture. In your own work, when are the moments that you really get excited? that you're really on a buzz? The sort of the, the birth of an idea is, 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 is that real buzz. And there's almost like a euphoria. That moment when I realized with, with Sidewinder, for example, and I worked out some of the balance issues and I suddenly thought, actually, you've, you've, you've got a great idea here. That's euphoric. You know, and life can't be euphoric all the time. But from that point on, as soon as I knew that I had something and I'd worked out all the technical issues, you know, that buzz was with me for, for weeks during that making process. You know, bit by bit, I'm, I'm, I'm building layers in, in Sidewinder and stacking them up. And slowly but surely, I'm starting to see the shape emerge. And I'm starting to see new things that I possibly hadn't imagined. That's just it's exciting. So breaking new ground, that's exciting. And it doesn't necessarily have to be on a design front. It can be as, as, a, as, as a maker as well. You know, I still have to explore uh, steam bending. It's a new area for me. And steam bending is a lot more unpredictable than the laminating or working with a solid, cutting a curve into a solid. And that unpredictability is a, is a, is a new area of discovery that I think could be very exciting when I, I find the right project to marry the technique. David, thanks so much for your time. It's been great listening to you and chatting with you. And I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for putting uh, your input into this. And uh, yeah, I've enjoyed myself very much. When I reflect on the many threads of this conversation, it's evident that David's design career has evolved as a solo journey, independent of formal training. And what comes with this is his self-doubting, which is essential for his growth in that it stimulates self-reflection and inquiry. But on the other hand, it also has the potential to corrode self-confidence. I've experienced that throughout my career and I don't think I'm alone in this. What's happened to David now is that he has developed a certain confidence and accomplishment and he's ready to take risks. And when you look at young children, they don't see obstacles as obstacles, they see them as opportunities for growth. And somewhere in that attitude of the youth, this fearless enthusiasm for learning and to do things that they've never done before, it's a quality that can really inspire us as designers and architects 
to stretch ourselves to areas that we've never gone to before. You can share this discussion or listen again at naturalscool.com. That's natural, S-C-O-O-L.com. Also, feel free to sign up for our bi-monthly email newsletter. Every two weeks, we send out inspired thoughts and reflections about design and architecture, as well as interviews with innovative designers from all around the world. You can sign up for our newsletter on our website, naturalschool.com. We are architects and facilitators who inspire innovative design professionals to find deeper meaning in their personal lives through their creative practice. This is a Natural School production. Thanks to our host, Keith, our producer, Shannon Flynn, and Daniel Apple for original music. Our major funding partner is Natural Architecture, specialists in sculptural and sustainable architecture. Go to naturalarchitecture.co.za to find out more. Music